Oh, welcome back from the bye week, and welcome back to game week. The Rams are 5-2 and two for the first time in 14 years with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Today on Rams All Access, we'll talk about handling the hype. We'll break down the remaining schedule. We'll have four down territory with a look inside the crumbling New York Giants. They'll be without Janoris Jenkins, who's been suspended for this contest. Yay. We'll have an Inside the Numbers edition, and we'll talk about some unsung heroes of this five wins and two loss start. But first, Marco, how was your bye week? Bye week was good, man. Finally uh, caught up on the rest. You know, got back to the uh, old PST, Pacific Time Zone. I mean, I mean, going through from Jacksonville to London and then back, I mean, being a father and a husband, it was rough. <laughs> you know, good for the players who don't have kids. But, yeah, happy to get back to work, man. How about you? When people asked, how is London... We had a phenomenal time, yeah. regardless of the, the play and the result on the field. We had a really good trip. But winning it amplified everything. And, I, and I, I've said it, it would have been like a loss and a half if you had dropped that game. Yeah. I think on the other side, it feels like a win and a half having done what you did to the Cardinals. Maybe because of the trip, but, I mean, that's that's the, the third time that I can remember going over with the Rams, and that's the only time I can remember coming back with a victory. So it did – make that trip a lot easier. And then going into the bye week feeling good about yourself is is only going to help you for the stretch run. And we've been talking about the second half of this season for a long time. We've kind of ignored it because of the London trip and then the bye, but, I mean, it's here. Now, I, I think you've done a great job, the team has and the coaching staff, getting this team ready to play for that first half. Five and two, you're a pretty good football team, right? I, I think we all feel strongly about that, but rarely does a pretty good football team make the playoffs. Only really good teams make the postseason, so there is room for improvement. There are a lot of good storylines around the league right now. Deshaun Watson, what he did in Seattle. Everyone's in love with Carson Wentz and the Eagles, who have just one loss. But it seems from my vantage point, the Rams and Sean McVay have become the darlings of the 2017 NFL season. We saw that throughout the bye week with opportunities on national media, including Sean McVay going on the the Fox pregame show. Uh, A lot of good going on right now with the Rams, and here's the head coach on how he feels about all that. There's a lot of good stuff going on right now, and, and that's what it is, and I think we want to try to keep that momentum going, and how you do that is you take things you know one day at a time, one game at a time, and our focus right now is, is getting ready for a New York Giants team that uh, well led by Coach McAdoo. Uh, having gone against them the last couple of years, just being in that division, you know what they're capable of. They're an 11-win team, and um, you know in this league, it, it doesn't matter. They've got great players, and we've got to be ready to go, and traveling on a Friday, you know, we've got to make sure that we have good focus and concentration as we prepare for them. Does he rehearse this stuff in a mirror? I mean, even that's perfect. Almost you know, scripted, right? Almost scripted. It, it's absolutely perfect. But watching him get off the plane, we were there, and uh, get on the bus and walk through LAX, just that little bit, uh, about 50 yards to whatever car was waiting on him, and watching people react to him and know exactly who he is on site. He's still ready for that, too. Um, taking this job, knowing what it entails, being the head coach here, expecting success and then having success um all of a sudden everyone knowing his name still doesn't affect the guy he's amazing i know the rams were three and one last year but i don't think anyone on this roster has had to deal with handling the hype like they are currently poised to do this week going to new york well i mean that's the thing i mean we we keep talking about the same guys but andrew whitworth and his ability to be above all this and not be affected by it, even if he doesn't say, hey, look, this is what's going to happen. Just how he handles it, if you're a young player like Jamon Brown or Rob Havenstein, just watch him. Um, it's, it's all just noise. The only thing that matters is on game day and preparing for Sunday. So I think you have the right people in place. 
Um, and Wade Phillips comes to mind. He's been through this a thousand times. So having all that in place and having guys that can really have real talks with their guys inside the locker room, I, I don't think it'll affect you that much. But, I mean, attention is going to, you know, turn some guys into superstars overnight. And there are some guys on this football team that you have to watch out for. But so far, so good. But that's that's what every winning team goes through. I don't know that there's a whole lot of individual attention, and maybe mm-hmm. that's the fine line. Is It's no one person who's drawing the headlines. It's not one person who has all the press clippings. It is a very collective deal, but I'm surprised to hear you say that there's there's no concern of drinking the Kool-Aid or, or reading your own press clippings coming off a bye week in which there were plenty of them. Well, uh, this is funny, being a fly on the wall. And how many times have you used that on a show, if I was a fly on the wall? And every so often, you are that fly on the wall, and you'll hear how – Sean McVay actually talks to his football team when we're not around. Mm-hmm. Um, he is brutally honest. He is in your face. And I would bet even if you when you get the shutout uh, in London against Arizona and you go back and look at the things that they did offensively, on the outside looking in, wow, they look better than they did last year. But to his eye and what he's looking for, there's a lot to, to get better. There's a lot to improve upon out there. There's some missed opportunities. So he's happy to get the win, no doubt. But this team isn't where he wants it right now. So it's just unbiased truth inside that room. To us, we get what you just heard. But to that football team, they're getting coached hard. Because if they were to get upended in New York, you know that's going to be the narrative. Is oh, I got too good too yeah. quickly for this franchise, and they weren't prepared to handle the success. But one of the encouraging signs that I saw from several players on social media is how anxious they were to get back to work coming off a of bye. You've done this league. You know Anxious to return to work after a bye week? That's not a common theme. Well, think about New York. Ask, yeah. ask Janoris Jenkins how anxious he was and, and Rogers Cromartie how anxious they were to come back from a bye week. Yeah, to be in the hunt uh, versus a team that's not in it. Um, guys react differently. Yeah, you, you want to get back to work to continue what you're doing because it's all positive. This is exactly where you want to be. In this league, in this conference right now, um, to be right on the cusp or in the the playoff mix with everything else out in front of you. Uh, we talked about the, the records of the team you're, teams you're about to face. Well, I bet some of those teams are worried about you, too. I mean, they have to deal with a Ram squad that's looking better defensively, getting better offensively, and special teams, one of the best in the league. So uh, there's a lot to like here right now. So I'm, I'm with you, but... Eventually, some of the all-pro guys are going to start saying no to interviews, and that's going to turn some other guys on to interviews. So we talked about that individual stuff. So when it starts to filter down to guys like Farrell Cooper, we all have to keep it inside and remember what we're focused on, and that's getting into the postseason. Now, I know this doesn't have any bearing on this week's game plan, but I I do have to give Coach McVay credit. He was very engaging and personable as we know him to be on the national platform this week Uh, and that's great in terms of engaging your fan base and drawing fans from a wider audience I thought he crushed it on Sunday morning absolutely he's he's prepared for that too um I remember going back and watching the ascent of the Seattle Seahawks as we know it with Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson finishing every comment with or every press conference with go Hawks how they built that brand. Well, this is building brand, the, building the, the L.A. Rams football brand through Sean McVay. You have a 5-2 and two record, you're being respected, and you have a coach that can talk it as well as coach it. So that's how you become a marquee team. Uh, I'd say one thing, you know, forget all the outside intangible stuff. The biggest thing the Rams have going for them, whether or not they read their press clippings, is their injury report. 
to be going into the second half of a season. I know we're not at the midway point truly mm-hmm. just yet, but for all intents and purposes, to come off a bye with more of their 53-man roster available than any team in the National Football League, uh, not only would you take 5-2, and two, but you would sign up for that and play your schedule as it falls. I, I found an interesting little note in my notes. Remember when we worried about Andrew Donnell's injury? Like, that's going to hurt the offensive line? Well, not if everyone stays healthy and keeps getting better. <laughs> I mean, Sullivan's been the one piece, right, right. in that group up front, and Blythe has proven to be uh, one of the unsung heroes, which is a theme we're going to hit on later nice. in this show. Yeah, I mean, so many individuals yeah. have gotten credit, and rightly so. Goff's improvement, uh, Todd Gurley, Whitworth, uh, Aaron Donald playing like the best defensive player in football again. Yes. But I'm I'm curious to dive into some of your thoughts on who hasn't got the credit they deserve, and it's also our ESPN Los Angeles uh, Rams All-Access poll question. All right in ballots, who deserves more credit for the 5-2 and two start? than they have received. We'll get into that next as Rams All Access continues in Week 9 going to New York on ESPN LA 710. I think we've got a mature team, and I think we've got the right kind of guys in that locker room to be able to handle both the good and the bad. You know, I think the one thing that's been impressive about this team is in seven weeks we've experienced a lot of different things, and some good, some bad. Always really have enjoyed and appreciated the way we've responded from some of the bad things. I think we stay even-keeled throughout the course of the game uh, no matter what occurs, and really the, uh, you know, the focus Focus and concentration for us is going to be focusing on one day at a time, kind of those process, our process and our standard of performance, and hopefully that approach and preparation will lead you know to the performance that we want to be able to have to try to get our sixth win. Uh, Sean McVay and the Rams not believing in their own hype, at least not yet at five and two. As we invite you to see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com backslash Rams today to reserve your official ticket, travel, and VIP tailgate package to the next game. Speaking of the next game, going to New York, I feel like forever since the Rams have had a home game. It has, Is right? the Coliseum still standing? Is I it, think is so. It there? Yeah. Will we ever get back there? Uh, yeah, next uh, weekend after next, right? Houston. Yeah. Yes, correct. Oh, boy. Houston. That's a different Houston now. Do you like that game against Seattle? Well, there's, there's fear in my voice when I say Houston because yeah. of that one guy, that one kid. And how could Cleveland pass him up? I mean, that's there's your quarterback there. There's a long list of quarterbacks <laughs> that Cleveland has passed up. Oh my God! I mean, there's another a, one. A Hall of Fame wing wow. with some of the guys they've passed up. Um, but let's get let's get back into yeah. you know whether or not the Rams are kind of reading their own press clippings and uh, whether certain individuals are are believing the hype. I think there's a few players on this team that need to be hyped up yeah. on the other end of the spectrum that deserve more credit than they've been given for their contribution to this five and two start. In fact, it's our uh, ESPN Los Angeles Rams All Access poll question: Which unsung players deserve more credit for the Rams five and two start than he has received to this point? Uh, I want you to chime in. I've got a short list of my own, but let's start with uh, Kevin Condi on Twitter. The long snapper, Jake McQuaid, he's getting it done in close games that were decided by Greg Zerline field goals. Wait, what's that name? Nothing. What's, what's the guy's name who sent that in? Uh, Kevin. Because that might be Johnny Hecker. I'm just saying. He's <laughs> always his, pushing for us to give his long snapper some love. Yeah, That's the uh, Ginger Wizard's uh, biggest proponent. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And he's tremendous. Um, watching him get better every single day, every single week, not just at long snapping, but you know the defensive stuff, working out with the linebackers, shedding blocks, making, uh, making tackles downfield. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 
All right, next one, David Carpenter submits center John Sullivan. He's left a couple of yeah. games with injury, uh, London and then San Francisco. Austin Blythe behind him, I think, similarly deserves some extra love. Tough as nails. I, I like Sully. I like Sully when they signed him. I'm starting to fall in love with him uh, for more than what he does on the field because when you watch the stuff that goes on after the game, I mean the stuff that probably doesn't get reported, uh, when you start seeing little clicks you know, develop on the football team, it's Whitworth, Sully, and Goff hanging out. Perfect. Your left tackle, your center, and your quarterback are talking about getting better. That's great stuff. So he's developed into a leader, more of a leader than I thought. You know, that year that he spent with McVay as a backup in Washington, we said it during training camp, somehow through osmosis, that's going to translate to Goff and get him ahead of the curve in terms of adapting and incorporating the Sean McVay offense. I think that's very much proven to be the case, and his performance on the field has proven to be better than maybe some were expecting at his age with his injury history. And we see you, Sully, a couple of pancake blocks versus Mm -hmm. Arizona. We see you. He's finishing. We see you, big fella. He's finishing. Uh, This is kind of a a tandem. Uh, DVH submits Tanzel Smart, and Negative Liberty submits Michael Brockers. But in a way, Tanzel and a few others have allowed Brockers to go out and play this new five-technique role in which he's thriving, right? Well, unsung, right? I mean, Michael Brockers, we know. He was a first-round pick. Um, He's getting better. He's playing like a guy who is happy not to be doubled all the time versus the run and pass. So he's very, very active, and I thought he was the best player on defense in uh in london uh verse especially versus the run he was all over they stopped all day all night uh, they really did that that running game so uh michael brockers we know but tanzel smart has really come along i mean really come along i mean he's gone more from scrappy dude like a guy who's just active and frenetic to a guy that's actually making plays with great technique. So he belongs on that starting unit with Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers. Now you've heard Whitworth, you've heard Goff, you've heard Gurley, but who are some of the unsung heroes of this 5-2 and two start for the Rams, their first in 14 years? Andrew submits a couple of defensive players, John Johnson, the rookie. In fact, Pro Football Focus has him as one of the top 10 graded rookies this season, offense and defense. And also Nikel Roby Coleman, who I think now that he can settle back into that slot role with the pieces healthy, Lamar Marcus Joyner, I think they're teed up for a great second half of the season in the secondary. If they can stay healthy and just keep all the pieces where they belong, I think you have the makings of a pretty good, you know, back end, a pretty good secondary, just and a good defense as a whole. Um, but you know, look, John Johnson has played well uh, as long as he's not facing, you know, uh, uh, what's the kid in Jacksonville? Just his name slips. Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette coming at you at a thousand miles an hour. I think he's going to be just fine. But watching Johnson's angles to the football on Adrian Peterson, letter perfect. I mean, absolutely made the running back, made the wrong choice every single time. There's a, a long list of secondary players who don't want any piece of Leonard Fournette. You don't want any <laughs> of that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I like this one, too, from Justin Lewin. Rob Havenstein, he has quietly played very well against good pass rushers all year. Uh, Dallas and Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence, come to mind as, look, when you have a lockdown left tackle, guess where a lot of the pressure is going to shift from opposing defenses to the right tackle? And from where he was last year to where he is now, one of the more improved players on the Rams' entire roster. No doubt. And I hate talking about him right now because you've got one of the best left ends in the game coming at you in New York. Yeah. And he's got crowd noise and and Jason Pierre-Paul. So, yeah, to this point, point, he's been great. I think Sean McVay has called a great game to help his offensive line. I mean, not putting those guys – or putting those guys in positions where they have a chance to actually win. But, yeah, he's got another stiff challenge this week. Another one that I really appreciate is Mark Barron, who I think is having a career year. And the other inside linebacker, uh, Alec Ogletree, is the one who gets the contract extension, right? And they're working on Aaron Donald. But in the middle of that defense, especially against the run, 
uh, Mark Barron has really answered the bell. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gone – you know, every it's gone the way that it needs to go for the Rams defense, especially offensively. Jared Goff and, and company, you know, keeping pressure on the other defense, scoring points, and, you know, making the, the other team's offense become one-dimensional, which benefits a guy like Mark Barron. Think about the pick. All he did was back up and catch mm-hmm. the football. So uh, Drew Stanton threw it right to him. But, yeah, I mean, Mark Barron has played – Great football. I, I think he's really adapted well to a 3-4. I didn't think it was possible for a guy that small coming from a safety spot, right. number one to play a weak side linebacker, a position in a 4-3 to an inside linebacker spot. I mean, yeah, he's played pretty well. He's taken on those blocks uh, better than we thought he would. Only Seattle's Bobby Wagner has a higher run stop percentage among NFL linebackers than Mark Barron. Better than 11% wow. run stoppage. And then the interceptions, like you said. How about his last four games going in the bye? Picked off Prescott, fourth quarter in Dallas. Yeah. Season best 15 tackles against Seattle. He was everywhere. Led L.A. with eight tackles at Jacksonville, including a sack, and then the interception in London. I mean, he has really performed. I think he's really performed well, and he's been coached well because he's a lot smarter. A lot smarter with what he sees and how they're trying to block him, which makes him even faster on the field. All right, let's go to some more uh, nominees. Franco Altanko, one of our favorites our on social media. A three-way tie for Rams individuals who are not getting enough credit for their contributions to the 5-2 and two start. Three-way tie, Roger Saffold, Jamon Brown, Rob Havenstein. So we talked about Havenstein. And Saffold quietly next to the left tackle is thriving. Yeah, I think those two guys on that side have been just tremendous. And in the run game and especially on screens. I know it sounds funny. But those two old guys getting out in front and really being deceptive at how they're getting out, baiting the defense up the field and then sneaking in behind them and picking up the right guys for the most part, they've been great. Uh, And on runaway, they've been also great tracking guys down. Roger, I think, might be the best athlete on the football team. Not on the football team, on the offensive line. I know Whitworth would would challenge that, but just watching him play and not get tired and being the same guy for four straight quarters – and attacking guys from all angles. I think Saffold has been tremendous. Uh, tight ends could have a big week against the Giants. We'll explain why and inside the numbers. But another nominee for uh, a Ram individual who deserves more credit than he's gotten for this five-win start is Tyler Higby and his role at tight end. Yeah, I mean, being old, reliable out in the flat. I mean, it, you can't rely on Todd Gurley all the time. Somebody's going to have to, you know, catch those short, intermediate passes and move the ball through the air. And I think he's been a reliable, consistent guy, receiver out of the backfield or, you know, from an inline position just to help Jared Goff have an outlet with the football. Um, eventually, those vertical roots, those roots down the field or in the red zone, that's going to start to happen. But I think his role is more of a blocking tight end and then a guy that sneaks out that picks up five. Either makes it second and five or first and ten, depending on where he catches it. But, yeah, I, th- I think he's been one of those unsung guys. But um, still waiting for Gerald Everett. I think he's a big play waiting to happen. I think he was open in London. The ball just didn't get there. But I, I think at some point those two guys are going to be our focal point on this show after a win. Yeah, talk about the uh, touchdown in Jacksonville for Gerald. Aside from that, he's been relatively invisible since the quick three-game start where he was a big play target. All right, did we miss anybody? Yeah, I, I got a couple of special teams, guys. Bryce Hager. Good one. Uh, kickoff, punt returns. I think he's been great attacking the football and blocking. Corey Littleton, we talked a lot about. Yeah, uh, the, the strip against Indy yes. that resulted in the safety. Tremendous. And then the block and punt the block. that Malcolm Brown covered. And he's touchdown. getting better. Um, Hatfield has been great out at special teams. Um Malcolm Brown, I always say this, give the drummer some. Um, It's nice to have a guy like him that can close out a game 
so Todd Gurley doesn't have to. Yeah. And be very effective doing it. And one more guy, Tavon Austin, and not for when he's carrying the rock. Actually, it's for his blocking. Um, I don't think Todd scores without his block. I don't think a lot of things happen without, you know, uh, uh, little uh, Tavon Austin throwing his body around. So he gets a lot of credit for what he does with the football, but what he's doing without it has been exemplary. Would you say the same thing about Sammy Watkins? He's been blocking well. Now, no, that's, no, not necessarily the yeah. blocking, but in terms of the running distraction, I guess. Free, no. Freeing up windows for other players, not I, to I'm, the same extent I can't as give him that. Okay. No, no. Um, look, that connection has got to happen. Because he, he was nominated by at least one or two on social media, and, and I was wondering as, what your temperature would be as an unsung hero. Well, that's not that's not his role. Your role is not to, to be, be unsung. The hero. Yeah, yeah. Your role is to be the guy, right? Um, I got one more. Go ahead. His, his last name starts L-O-N-G. Longacre. My guy. They get sick of us talking about him. Team I four sacks. <laughs> I'm telling you. And he's asked to make a, a position change. In fact, yeah. going back to training camp, we're like, eh, I don't know if a 4-3 converting to a 3-4, someone like Longacre, I don't know if he can stand up and be a rush linebacker. He may not even have a spot on this roster. Seven games in, he leads the team with four sacks? You've got three outside backers. Four if you count, count Ebucom. That's that's coming along. But it's really Quinn and Longacre and Barwin, yeah. and they all rotate. And wherever he lines up, it's just instant action. I want to go back to Malcolm Brown, who was on my list as well. And I don't think there's a greater testament to him, and really what Todd Gurley has done too, than Lance Dunbar is now eligible to join the active roster. And the Rams have three weeks to decide what to do with him. He was one of their first free agent pieces that they saw playing that Chris Thompson role that thrived under McVay in Washington. Well, here we are at the bye and I'm not sure there's a spot for him. I'm not sure there's a role because to get him up might mean putting someone like um, Justin Davis through waivers, which yeah. I know they don't want to do, might mean taking reps away from Tavon or from Malcolm, which I also don't think you can justify at this point. But if you can catch and run in this offense, there there is a role for you. And we didn't think you'd be able to find the hole for Tavon Austin. They've carved out a nice yeah. niche for him. So. If Dunbar is healthy and can play and can contribute, I'm sure they'll find a way to, to make it happen. Um, if if you have to go and, and, and sweat it out through the waiver wire with Justin Davis to get Dunbar on the field, I think that might be fair. Yeah, and I'm not saying they're yeah. not going to. I'm not saying, yeah, yeah. thanks for coming, Lance. There's no home for you here. I think they have every reason and right to play this out over coming weeks because the entire depth chart could change based on a couple of plays. But – it's a testament to what is in-house yeah. and what they've done in the first half of the season that it's not automatic. Oh, hey, Lance is good to go. Guess what? You're coming to New York. Absolutely right. We're going to New York. We leave on Friday. Cannot wait to kick off uh, a new week of Rams football, a chance to go to 6-2 and two and continue the playoff push. The schedule ahead looks daunting beyond New York, and we'll talk about it next on ESPN LA. With a Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, on our way to New York to take on the Giants. It starts off the back half of the schedule, and one of the softer opponents remaining are the Giants. We'll talk about what's left for the Rams and their playoff push, but uh, first I want to ask you about standing pat at the deadline. Did it surprise you that the Rams did not make a move before uh, Tuesday's trade deadline? Um, no, I wasn't shocked at San Francisco making that move. Um, if you have a chance to upgrade at quarterback, you do that every single time. Um, Seattle upgrading the left tackle with Dwayne Brown doesn't shock me, but I was trying to figure out if you were to make a move, where would you make that for the Rams? Um, you got Sammy Watkins. That was your big move to to bolster your receiving core, and I think you're good there. Tight ends, you're fine. Offensive line, you're fine. Defense, 
you're good. Where would you make the move? I might have been looking for another pass rusher just because of the outside age, backer. The okay. age of your outside backers. Uh, you know, but yeah. I, I'm with you. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with standing pat. I think the Rams like their roster as it's currently constituted. But since the coaching change, at each step along the way, they've surprised me with something they've done in free agency or yeah. in the draft or even in training camp by getting Watkins. So I, I was kind of on pins and needles waiting to see if they would make a move. Well, Marcel Darius w- uh, was moved um, to a team that's loaded yeah. at defensive line. So, I mean, that wouldn't show. I mean, if, if Houston wanted to make Clowney available and the Rams could have pulled that off, I everyone would have said yes there. Um, there's a guy you can stand up, you can put down, and – that might answer your questions, but, I mean, I wouldn't say that you've got 22 pro bowlers out there, but, I mean, as far as your roster composition right now, I think you'd feel pretty comfortable. With uh, Jimmy G to San Francisco for a second-round pick, that is effectively a late first-round pick yeah. because it's going to be right there at the top of the second round, assuming San Francisco stays on its current trajectory. Do you read into that like I did what the front office in San Francisco must think or not think about the draft class of 2018? Uh, that Garoppolo's better than anybody coming out of the draft. Uh, and he, we heard so much about Rosen yeah. and Darnold here in L.A. Yeah. Allen, there's a few other quarterbacks out there that we thought Kyle Shanahan, with a poor season this year, might just be able to go shopping for his quarterback of the future. And they still may. I mean, right. this can be an extended tryout for Jimmy G, whether or not they extend him. But I don't know that you make that move if you've identified your guy in the college ranks. Yeah, anybody you draft, let's say, in, in the next draft or this year's draft coming up, you're not going to be as good as as Garoppolo is right now for at least another two seasons uh, because of where he is, who he is, and how much work they put into him, how much they invested into him. So if I'm you know, John Lynch and I can jumpstart that position by two or three years, mm. I'd do that. And like you said, you still have a chance to go out and pick a quarterback if you want. And look, that team is young. It's loaded on defense. All that was really missing was that guy. So they may have found that guy. Suddenly the Arizona Cardinals are the only team in the division who you don't have a pretty good concept of who's going to be the quarterback for the end of this year and the start of next year. Yeah, uh, after watching that tape and you know just watching it two or three times, it wasn't what the Rams did offensively. That was great. It just seems like that defense got old overnight. And then when Palmer went down, that whole team got old overnight. So that could be the team that you can say has, has really missed their window. All right, let's go to the uh, remaining schedule. Five and two other Rams. First time in 14 years. Can they snap their postseason drought? They've got nine games left, four home, five road, three against the division. It starts uh, at the Meadowlands this weekend, then home to Houston. Look, five of the uh, teams remaining have a winning record. It looks like. Mm-hmm. So that that's where you're at in that regard. You figure you have to bank games like Giants at Arizona, home to San Francisco, right? So there, there are three of the ones you need, you hope, to get in. Well, I, you should beat New York. I mean, New York is struggling. New York has their own problems even before you get off the bus there to play them. So I am kind of worried about that. I mean, that some people here might just overlook a professional football team because of the record and because of all the – the, the extracurricular that's going on. And you still have to play and play well to beat New York in New York. So I'm assuming you get that one. Um, San Francisco, I, I don't think that's a lock anymore. Uh, nothing in the division's a lock. That's a battle now. Yeah. As, uh, how long before you face San Francisco again? How many weeks? Until the end. It's New Year's Eve. Yeah, so that gives Garoppolo time to get acclimated into that offense. Right, so this they, is what, week nine? Yeah. So he's going to have the better part of seven weeks to get ready for that? They may actually start to look like something yep. towards the end of the year. So, yeah, um, that one is 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 
is going to be tough. Arizona, I would say. I mean, with Drew Stanton, you might see Blaine Gabbert by then. So that might be a gimme there if if there is any gimmies in this National Football League. But from this point on, you're going to have to battle teams that are feeling exactly the way you are right now. They feel pretty good about themselves. They, they think they have a, a postseason football team, mm-hmm. and it's going to take – your best effort on game day just to come out. The team divides the uh, season into quarters. They yeah. went 3-1 and one in the first quarter, a chance to go 3-1 and one in the second quarter as well if they can beat New York. Then that third quarter is Houston home at Minnesota, right now a 6-2 and two team and a two-seed in the NFC. Yeah. Home to the Saints who have ripped off five in a row and just throttled the Rams in New Orleans last Thanksgiving and that at Arizona. Then the fourth quarter begins with a Philadelphia Eagles team that's a one-seed right now at 7-1, and one, and that <laughs> – could be flexed into prime time, yeah. we're hearing. There's a lot of uh, talk about that. At Seattle, at Tennessee, an AFC playoff team, presumably Christmas Eve, and home to San Francisco. Man, I, I thought it was quite an accomplishment to go 5-2, and two, and I still believe that it is. But if that's the best accomplishment of the season, it's not going to end in the postseason. No, not, not at all. But, I mean, you're a college football guy just like I am. You know what I call that sort of schedule? That's a national championship caliber schedule. You win that. You're in the dance, man. Yep. Uh, you come out 500 or better against that sort of opposition. First of all, you're going to be a really good football team through that. It's inevitable if you beat those sort of teams. But also your record's going to qualify you for the next level, yeah. for the postseason. So, yeah, I mean, look, injury-wise, I think you're, you're, you're doing great. Your offense is growing, your defense is rounded into form, and your special teams is playing like they should. So I think you have just as good a chance against anybody on your schedule. It's been a long time since I was home on a Sunday and watching a full slate of games, like all three windows, four windows, including yeah. the, the London game. And and truthfully, Cleveland, they had their shot at Minnesota. I mean, they, they squandered that one. So I'm rooting for the Browns. Hey, give Minnesota a loss. I'm rooting for Houston. Right. Go to Seattle. Go get one. Help out the Rams. No, neither of those things happened, and it kind of it kind of sunk in. The Rams are going to have to do this themselves. If the Rams are looking for help from the exterior, they may or may not find it. No. But every chance you need to go back to the postseason with games against Houston, with games against Minnesota, in your division, Philadelphia, in your facility. Oh, boy. Go take care of it yourself. Punch yeah. your own ticket. I'm waiting for Keenum versus Goff. That's going to be fun. Absolutely. Are you convinced it's going to be Keenum who gets that start? Because um, it could be it could be another form. As of right Ram. now, you got to go with that guy. Okay. Right. I mean, you have to go with him. But not I mean, Bradford or Bridgewater, who are also potential not. options. But Seattle has caught fire. I'm, that that worries me, especially because they know how to win when it gets cold outside. So that's the team you may be battling with down the stretch for playoff seating one thought on that yeah. ezekiel elliott and the suspension oh, yes. wave of this week he better he better take it and start serving it now because it'd be nice if he's fresh and ready to tear the league down when he comes back to play seattle in the last quarter of the schedule if he continues right. to prolong this thing i'm not saying he specifically right but if if his camp continues to try and kick this can down the road there's now a danger that he might miss that all critical game against seattle where you need you know I, how many games is he suspended for i forgot Six. He's got six games. I forgot the length of the suspension by now. I don't remember. He's on. He's suspended. He's back. I don't know. He could basically have a summer vacation and come back well-rested and ready for the final quarter of the schedule and the postseason if Dallas can keep it on the rails. And in that stretch of games, they could very well hand Seattle a loss that would benefit the Rams. It could be the difference between the Rams winning the division. Only Jerry Jones can spin this into a positive. Just some of the peripherals around the league that uh, (laughs) you have time 
on the buy to actually right. consider when you're week to week. I, I never can no. keep track of all that. Where's but, the bus? Uh, bus five. <laughs> you know, we have to keep track of it's what's going on in New York City with the Giants. They are really in a world of hurt, and there's a former Ram suspended. We'll check in on four-down territory on the Giants next on Rams All Access on ESPN LA. All right, let's go four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory here on Rams All Access on ESPN LA. Jordan Ranan is kind enough to join us. He covers the Giants for ESPN and ESPN.com. Jordan, welcome. First of all, what's the deal with former Ram Janoris Jenkins? He's suspended for the week for a violation of team rules, and it's the second time in three weeks that the Giants have a guy who's suspended for a violation of team rules, which certainly is not an ideal situation here in Coach Ben McAdoo and Pretty much the whole locker room is now answering questions about whether there's a lack of respect for the head coach and sort of what's going on here. And basically the story is Janaris Jenkins just didn't come back in time from the bye week, missed practice on Monday, and didn't inform anybody about it. So uh, he has to serve that penalty for, for breaking a pretty obvious rule of showing up for work. All right, so no jackrabbit against Sammy Watkins and the nope. receiving core of Los Angeles. I want to stay on the defensive side of the football with this next question on four-down territory. It seems the Giants have had trouble defending tight ends and keeping them out of the oh, end yeah. zone in particular. What's going on there? Yeah, this is, you know what, this is a problem that's actually stretched for a couple of years now. It isn't, this isn't an isolated thing. The Giants have had trouble covering tight ends, even running backs in a way, uh, the past couple of years. And they've let up a, t- a touchdown every single week, at least one, to a tight end, so uh, line, they don't have great linebacker play, and the scheme kind of funnels it towards the tight end. So, if you want to do damage against this defense in the middle of the field, that tight end is the way to go. Note to Jared Goff. All right, switching sides. Let's talk about Eli Manning. Uh, no OBJ, no Brandon Marshall. Clearly, that's uh, had a detrimental effect on what the Giants have been able to do offensively. What kind of season is Eli having, even without those key targets? Yeah, it's been it's hard to even evaluate him. I mean, it obviously hasn't been great. Uh, they haven't been able to move the ball consistently at any point, and there's been times where he just hasn't been able to make any sort of plays. Now, obviously, his offensive line is not very good. That plays into it. And uh, his receiving core has now basically been deteriorated to the point of uh, bringing in guys uh, that were free agents and uh, off the practice squad. But he should get Sterling Shepard back this week. That's a bonus for him. And, uh, you know, the Giants have really kind of shifted their offense. They've changed their approach. They're trying to be a more run-heavy team, more two tight ends, and anything they can do to sort of help that passing attack, which no longer has that explosive element with Odell Beckham. All right, we're talking with Jordan Renan on Four Down Territory here on Rams All Access. He covers the Giants for ESPN and ESPN.com. Last question is, is kind of an intangible. It's about the fan base. We were in East Rutherford last year to see the Jets, and that fan base had clearly right. given up the rope on that team. So I'm curious, given what you mentioned about McAdoo and the temperature of the locker room and the franchise, where is the fan base at with these Giants, and what kind of crowd, what temperature should we expect from them on Sunday? Oh, the crowd is going to be hostile towards the Giants almost. Uh, there's a lot of frustrated fans at this point. They're frustrated with the front office. They're frustrated with the coaches. They're frustrated with the overall product. Uh, the booing, definitely. They heard it last time they were on the field. Uh, the second something goes wrong here this week, they're probably gonna, they probably hear it again. So, uh, it, you know, this isn't exactly an, the most imposing home, crowd, home field advantage for the Giants at this point. And the Rams should not be overwhelmed by a, a giant crowd waiting for this game. I mean, they're sitting at one and six. I think everyone's sort of 
you know, resigned to the fact that this season is over for the Giants. They have no chance at the playoffs. Uh, it's sort of a lost season. Now guys are getting suspended. So there's a lot of frustration out there from Giant fans. Well, Jordan, thanks for being a professional, despite the team you're covering not always showing up for work. We look forward to seeing you at work on Sunday. Hey, that's my best quality. I show up for work. <laughs> I guess that counts for something these days, right? It sure does. <laughs> All right, have a great rest of your week. That's Jordan Renan from ESPN and ESPN.com. He covers the Giants. It seems like, DeMarco, if the Rams go out there and make an early statement, uh, they might have a little road field advantage. Yeah, I'm not buying it. It's still New York. It's still the Giants. It's still Eli Manning. He still has two Super Bowl rings. So you're going to have to, you know, play your best football. Look, just don't help the Giants. Don't go out there and help them and let them hang around because all they're looking for is some signs of life just to give you a dogfight for four quarters. If you go out there and just play good football, even if it's a field position game, eventually your numbers will will do them in. Attrition will, will start to do them in. So as long as you don't help them and Jared Goff doesn't throw it to them a few times, uh, you should beat New York in New York for everything that he said. Um, they still have some pieces that can hurt you, even without Janoris Jenkins, uh, offensively and defensively. So as long as you take care of that and then – you have the better roster, you have the better football team, you're having the better season, you should win the game. It's been way too long since the Rams have beaten the Giants as franchises, irrespective of the city and the location of those games. Uh, but I go back to last year in London and up double digits on that Giants team. They were ready to give up the ghost. They were done. Done! The Rams, quote-unquote, let them off the hook, and they ended up being a playoff team. Yeah, uh, they caught fire. It happens. Um, if you think about Seattle and you go back to that game here and when the Rams had Seattle exactly where you want to have them and then you fumbled the football back to them and gave them momentum and you couldn't get it back. Uh, there was a, another situation where you had the game in hand where you could have just blown it wide open and you fumbled it back or you made mistakes to put them back in the game. And I, I can't remember which game that was. Was it Jacksonville? No. Yeah, you did. You had Jacksonville on the ropes, ready to go, and it became a dogfight that you had to to fight them. And they actually had shots at the end of the game to to tie the thing up or to make it a game. So when you have teams on the ropes ready for a knockout, you have to put them away. And the Giants, believe me, are going to be in a, situ- in, a in the same situation where you have a chance to, to end this game early. And, and let's see if the Rams have developed that knockout punch. Sorry for my distraction. It was just brought to my attention as we're taping this edition of the show that the uh, the new sports entertainment district in Inglewood has yeah. been selected to host the 2023 uh, college football playoff. Hey! So we know there's going to be a ton of big events rolling through Inglewood nice. in, in years to come. But it's nice to see officially the college football playoff 2023. Nice! Uh, see, Just go ahead and start painting Washington now. Yeah, just put that in the end zone. That, that far down the road, the that there's, there's no one on the current roster who will even be there. We're not going point. away. Come on now. <laughs> as long as we're purple, we're still there. And Coach Peterson bringing his dogs to Los That's Angeles right. to play in front of a home audience in DeMarco Far. Hey, back to Janoris Jenkins for a yeah. second. You know him. You've covered him. Yeah. What's what's the deal there? Uh, there's something going on with that coaching staff and those players. Remember, this is not the first time they suspended a guy from that room, the defensive backs room. So they're, they're just daring the coaching staff to suspend them. Um, it, it sounds to me like they don't have a ton of respect for the head coach and for what's going on. And when you start reading those comments about a GM saying that maybe the team bought into the hype, um, well, if that's not true, if that's just your opinion and that's not something that's shared amongst the players, then they're going to rebel. And I would bet the Janoris Jenkins, if he's not leading the charge, is probably the number two or three guy there. So – 
Janoris not making it back from a bye week, I think, was a message being sent. Uh, you and I, after that Jacksonville win, uh, were getting together for dinner and some fermented beverages and watching Sunday yeah. night football and the Giants getting their only win at Denver. Obviously, a very difficult place to get a victory no matter where the Broncos are at in their current state. Uh, at that point, I was concerned. At that point, I thought, okay, here come the Giants. They really are better that? than, than yeah. the record would indicate. Janoris Jenkins played huge in that game. Now, a couple weeks later... You know, the six losses is probably truly who they are. And, and I wonder with a, a locker room that's feeling that way about their head coach, sure, they're dangerous, but they're also probably pretty fragile. Well, I bet they are. I mean, look, you can talk them into being a losing football team right. pretty quickly. Right. Um, but they're looking for a win. I mean, the only thing that's going to make a 1-6 a and six feel better is any sort of victory. We've been here. Remember last yes. year. You're just looking for any sort of win. So uh, if you help them out, if you start – dropping the football or going stagnant on offense and or allowing the, the run game, the Giants' run game to get going, they'll start believing they can beat you, and then you're in trouble. All right, next up is inside the numbers. And I was going to go with that tight end stat that Jordan mentioned, that tight ends have scored in every game against the Giants. Eight touchdowns against have been accounted for by tight ends. So I thought, hey, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, go feast in New York. Since we already touched on that, I'm going to take this break to scramble and find something else to give us to serve up for Inside the Numbers. Don't worry, I got plenty. <laughs> I'm leaning Goff and Gurley when we come back. Ooh. All right, final segment of Rams All Access before we head to New York. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long here on ESPN LA. Uh, as I said, I was looking forward to digging into the tight ends dominating the New York Giants defense, but Jordan got us to that perfectly, so we'll leave it at that. Eight touchdowns scored against the Giants this year by opposing tight ends. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's hope that Higby <laughs> oh, and God. Everett can add. Can I say this? I, I, I got to know Steve Spagnuolo while he was the head coach of the St. Louis Rams. Um, feeling his way as a head coach. As a coordinator, look, um, he's won a Super Bowl with his defense. But I got to tell you, I didn't get it. I don't understand it. It's the most complicated scheme known to man. Hmm. So it's no shock that the the dual threat of everybody's offense, the tight end, is the one doing all the scoring. Because even the guys that are playing the defense are confused. As to who's responsible for the tight end? Yes. Among other things? It's it's the weirdest defense I've ever seen, been taught, uh, tried to learn. It just doesn't make sense at all. And now they got to do it without Janoris right. Jenkins. All right, so for inside the numbers, let's go to Goff and Gurley because uh, there's a fascinating article by Mike Renner of uh, Pro Football Focus in the Washington Post this week about all the things that the Rams have done schematically to make Jared Goff's life easier in year two. And I have some numbers on Jared comparing last year's seven-game sample size to this year's that we can finish with. But uh, one of the things he highlighted was the amount of play action. And we knew with LaFleur and McVay coming to Los Angeles, they were both play-action-heavy offenses in Washington and Atlanta. And that's proven to be the case here again in L.A. Uh, 14% of Jared's dropbacks last year were off of play action, second lowest in the NFL. 26% have been through seven games this year, sixth highest. Now, Part of that you can say is, well, yeah, the Rams were running the football, so why wouldn't they play action off of it? But even play action when you don't have an effective running attack, if it's in run downs, can be effective. And I think the argument could be made that even with Gurley struggling last year, the Rams were not using enough play action to create throwing lanes for Jared. True. And, I mean, you were trying to throw off play action or, or try to create play action, but they just didn't buy the run. I mean, you could stuff the Rams with seven in the box and, and, and control Todd Gurley because the offensive line was just getting pushed backwards. Well, now, I mean, go back to Arizona. They had to sell out towards the end of the game just to stop the run. So all of your play-action passes are available. You can hit screens. You can hit 
play action to Todd Gurley and then hit him out of the backfield. I mean, stuff that wasn't available last year is just available to to you this year. And now defenses have to account for Jared Goff and, yeah. at the mesh point, right? Because he's a true zone read threat. He's got a rushing touchdown. No, let's no, let's just pump the brakes. You on think that, that's one, one and no. only, one and done? I mean, in 2017. I, I, I think I would let him have that anytime <laughs> he wants it. Uh, the other thing that I, I found fascinating, and we knew this to be true because the Rams are running more outside zone this mm-hmm. year, um, but Todd Gurley is getting to the perimeter more. 37% of his runs wound up outside the tackles last year, off tackle, and a lot of those were his own kickouts. This year, 48%, so 11% more, he's getting to the perimeter. He's running off tackle, and you know Maurice Jones-Drew has identified this early and often Mm -hmm. that suits his style and his strength much better it's no wonder he's having a pro bowl caliber season i mean you put a guy that big on the perimeter and when you the the farther you get away from the middle of the field the smaller the the defensive players are going to get so if he can string it out and you get good blocking which they have gotten so far with the offensive line picking off those linebackers and the receivers doing a great jobs uh the great job of picking off safeties todd Gurley turning it up field against the cornerback i'm going to take todd Gurley pretty much every single time. So, I mean, it's it's great when they call it. It's it's how they block it and how he's running when he gets the ball on the edge. He's been a freight train out there, and he's not afraid of contact at all. That uh, stiff-arm touchdown run against the Cardinals is a perfect example of what we're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, but go back and look at the anatomy of that play and the blocking and his ability to get outside once he reads what the defense is trying to do and where the holes are, and then he gets outside in the blink. And once he turned those, sho- those shoulders north and south, you've got a problem. Uh, I'm not sure there's a greater testament to this coaching staff and the buy-in that they have than comparing Todd fumbling off the pylon against Seattle to the next time he gets a chance to attack that same pylon against Arizona, staying in bounds, keeping it in two hands, shul- uh sheltering the football with his body i mean you take a screen grab of how he finished each of those two runs and it's it seems so simplistic but it's like that's huge yeah that's huge that you can use that teaching moment to then turn it into a touchdown on a very similar situation later in the year it looks like he was coached hard on that because it was like a reverse long jump usually you land with your feet he landed with his shoulder but it was about five yards in the end zone so he threw his big body in there but that goes back to Tavon austin that block to spring him out there to give him the, the, the lane to get to the to, to the end zone and then same exact situation where you've got two guys closing from inside out he throws his body in there like we said a guy that big that's hell-bent on going in with the football I mean that's a business decision you don't want any part of that on the goal line ready for New York absolutely let's get going no concerns whatsoever about the Rams being over their skis or riding too high in the saddle you think this will be a focused determined group uh yes to pick I mean, up where they left off not the outside distraction of the whole world starting to pick up on the Rams are pretty good um there is always human nature that kicks in when you see one in six and that's your opponent uh, that maybe you might ease into a street fight but then knowing that Sean McVay is leading this football team and he's brutally honest about how you're doing, regardless of record, I think they'll be ready for New York. Fresh off the bye, final game of the first half, going to the Meadowlands. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, we'll see MJD there. Hope you'll tune in on Sunday morning and have a great weekend.